Okay, we're ready to get started on Leviticus chapters 11 through 15 today. And um, just a quick recap from the first 10 chapters that we've gone through already. Um, we have been discussing um, mostly sacrifices. And uh, when we get to chapter 10, we have the narrative that kind of sticks out um, among all this uh, very technical <clears throat> kind of uh, commands from the Lord, um, uh, the story of Nadab and Abihu, and um, they're not um, doing the sacrifices as they have just been laid out and presented. Um, and so as we, um, as we kind of wrap up that section, we're moving into a, a different section where we're going to be focusing mostly on things that are clean and versus unclean um, and be talking a little bit about uh, sacrifices through that, but more of the focus is going to be specifically on what is considered clean versus what is considered unclean. Um, so, and we are um, doing this Leviticus study just a little bit differently than we have our other studies where we're going it by verse by verse. Um, and so before we get started, um, I just wanted to um, let you know that while we won't be reading verse by verse, there are certain sections that we will read good little chunks of um, and kind of work through those. But the main purpose for us doing this study for ourselves and hopefully for your benefit as well, um, who are able to listen, is to whet your appetite to go into a deeper study, which I, I, did, I don't want to forget to say <clears throat> that I was able to listen to um, Sherry's uh, recommendation of Gary Fisher. Um, I believe that, is that right? Gary mm -hmm. Fisher, mm -hmm. right? Okay, make sure I've said the name right. And, um, and the discussion through Leviticus, and I want to say if you are tempted to study through Leviticus, that is such a, a great and more in-depth study where they do go more into... Um, greater detail than we do as far as the chapters and a lot of good questions, a lot of good takeaways um, that we won't have time necessarily to develop just in what we're doing here. So I just wanted to say thanks to Sherry for mentioning that and just offer that one more time as a good recommendation um, if you want another resource mm -hmm. of digging a little deeper into live, Leviticus. Liveforit.us. Okay. Liveforit. Gary Fisher's name in it. Right. Liveforit.us. Live yeah. Okay. Um, and so, okay, so starting out, like I've said, kind of this whole section, we've got um, generally talking about clean versus unclean uh, and in different, uh, different subject matters. But were there any um, top things for y'all as we went through this section of just the main thing that you took away from this as a whole, um, not chapter by chapter, but as one section? Uh, Elizabeth, anything for you? So, uh, I've actually been using a commentary that I borrowed from Alexander, Who Shall Ascend the Mountain of the Lord. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really tough and really technical, but I did find it really helpful for this um, section, mm -hmm. where all of the cleanliness laws really kind of revolve around life and death. And when there's a loss of life or anything associated with death, those things would be unclean. Mm -hmm. And then taking that even a step forward, how ri things that are ritually unclean are 
like the long terms effects of sin. Mm-hmm. So when sin entered the entered the world, death entered entered the world, um, <clears throat> and just kind of the far-reaching effects of sin and how that separates you from God in both a spiritual and this very physical, you cannot approach God if you're ritually unclean. Um, I thought was really important. Yeah, very good. Sherry, anything for you? Um, okay, so I feel like what the the big t- the big takeaway from this section is it's talking about clean versus unclean. Um, so purity laws. Um, one thing I um, want to stress is that um, it seems like something if some something is unclean does not mean it is sinful right because there's going to be a lot of things talked about where you're unclean but it's not because you've sinned it's just spiritually unclean mm-hmm. and so things that so if it's unclean that means it can't go into the temple it can't come before God because God doesn't God can't be with something that's unclean uh, doesn't necessarily mean it, it, it might be a reference to sin like we we might it might be a shadow and I think a lot of things like I think leprosy um, uh, but a, a lot of other things I think the Amalekites uh, are another thing um, that represents sin in the Old Testament not that they're all sinful it's just that they mm-hmm. represent what sin does right to a person mm-hmm. and so um, we need to make the distinction because there's some things in here that like, you just can't help I yeah. mean like you know, like touching a dead body. I mean, like, if you have to go, if you have to kill an animal, you touch a dead body. So, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you're sinful in that. That just means you're unclean. You can't go into the temple. Um, also, um, uh, since the Old Testament dispensation closed, there is no such thing as an unclean thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, God declared all animals clean. To eat, um, uh, I still think that we can't eat blood, but um, but everything else is fair game. Yeah. Um, and is your understanding of that because of the New Testament reference where they are? Yeah. Yeah. In um, Acts chapter whatever that is, ten. Ten. ten yeah. Acts chapter mm-hmm. ten, um, uh, where God says, "Don't call anything that I've said is clean unclean." Mm-hmm. And and Paul also makes a reference makes reference to that that you know everything is clean um, as far as eating it um, <clears throat> but during this time I think I think things that are unclean are representative of um, something that can't be in God's presence and so I think it's I think it's a shadow of sin and and so cleanness is a shadow of holiness or being closer to God so. Um, I know I I was listening to Gary Fisher, and he said that forty four percent of the references to cleanness in the Old Testament are found in Leviticus and Numbers, and sixty four percent of references to uncleanness are found in Leviticus and Numbers. So, if you want to find out if something's clean or unclean, Leviticus and Numbers are the places to go for that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, other than that. Uh, that those that was my main thing was just I think it's a representation of sin, not necessarily technically sin in of itself. 
Um, so both of you have brought out, I think, some of the main uh, things from this that as far as I, what I would say is, you know, in my mind, God's purpose in writing, so to speak, um, this section in particular. Um, the thing that had stood out to me was not was not a main point it's a side thing that is just an interesting thing and um sort of like you know sherry has pointed out to us um anytime you see and the lord spoke to moses you know it's kind of like a little flag of okay new section you know or new thought that kind of thing well to me one of the things that stood out sort of similarly is is time here and this is not a main point but it is interesting to me as we go through and how many times it says, okay, seven days shall pass and on the eighth day, you know, and things like that. Um, just, it is a an interesting and kind of stark contrast to how much time was set aside to either purify or, you know, uh, you know, different things that were said throughout these chapters. But just thinking through things like the amount of time that was, you know, kind of prescribed or whatever to set aside for something. And, you know, in other places it makes me think of, you know, uh, when somebody mourns, you know, it's 30 days or um, some of these feasts, they just seem longer than what Mm -hmm. we generally in modern context would give time for. Um, And anyway, I know this uh, kind of tangent is probably sounds super random, but I've just been given a lot of thought to that, and that has stood out to me in this reading of how many times it's like, wow, that is a lot of time <laughs> that, you know, has to be, you know, set apart, and, and it just impresses upon me that I feel like some of that gives you the ability, your brain, the ability to process things maybe on a better level than maybe we do right now, but anyway, like I said, it's very, tan- I mean, it's very tangent and not the main point, but that stuck out to me mm-hmm. is the time aspect there so anyway that's just i don't know if that's even worth anything but for whatever it's worth that's what stood out to me um okay so chapter 11 we'll dive into that real quick um and i've got a section in this chapter that i would like to read through but it's um towards the end of the chapter so um i'm gonna go through um one through 25 more in summary style and um, see if there's anything that you ladies would like to add to that before we read, um, starting in verse 26. So the first eight verses, um, we you know start off in verse 1, the Lord spake unto Moses. And then he goes through and um, describes what is a clean and what is an unclean beast. Um, and then, uh, as Sherry had pointed out, you know at the end of that it says, you shall not eat... Um, their carcass and their carcass you shall not touch Um, so it's kind of like that uh, section there of like okay here's the things that is are clean and acceptable here's the unclean and by the way the unclean don't touch it you know don't and if you know you run across their carcass don't come near it Um, and again it seems like such a small detail but we know you know as good bible students that comes up over and over, the dead carcass stuff, um, through different uh, stories throughout Scripture, and, and that ends up being a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so, and then the next section, very similar, verses 9 through 12. Um, what you can eat versus, in my translation said, an abomination um, uh, among the water animals. I don't know 
mm-hmm. which I also would, um, would classify that as, but then goes through the specifics of, you know, if it has no fins or scales, that is an abomination. Do not eat it. Um, and then 13 through 25, uh, same thing, but among birds, and then um, kind of segues into um, clean versus unclean locusts. And that's always, that's still hard for me to wrap my brain around. Here are the good bugs, here are the bad bugs, you know. <laughs> and, um, and again, just ending another similar ending, you know, touching the carcass means that uh, of any of these um, bugs uh, are going to be, leave you unclean throughout the day. Um, so anything as I know we're just zipping through that section real quick uh, before we start uh, reading through in more detail starting verse 26 anything 1 through 25 that y'all wanted to bring out Elizabeth yeah so I have mentioned this a lot before but I really appreciate how practical these things are Mm -hmm. like with the um, with the I guess livestock like pigs pigs are kind of dirty animals you don't want to raise pigs you don't want to be around pigs like we we enjoy eating pork we enjoy eating bacon but for them that was almost like a had like a unsanitary kind of thing to have around in the camp same with like not eating vultures really stood out to me because mm-hmm. like you don't want to eat a scavenger that's been eating dead animals mm-hmm. so it's like yeah. a lot of these things aren't things you'd want to do anyways yeah and then the last thing, I actually um, saw a video about this with the locust being okay to eat, but not any other bug. Someone made the point that if there's like a swarm of locusts and they eat your field, what are you going to eat? Mm. You can eat the locust. And I think that was a really interesting mm-hmm. provision, whether that is the actual purpose of it or not. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of um, just really interesting how practical yeah. all these are. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So it's more about... The, what the thing you're eating eats mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so yeah um, you know if it eats if it eats other dead animals then probably not good mm-hmm. um, you know if it, like if, pigs don't eat animals but they sort of eat everything so yeah. it's like there's nothing they don't eat yeah um, and same thing with fish like um, like catfish don't have scales mm-hmm. but they're bottom feeders a lot of bottom mm-hmm. feeders don't have scales and yeah. also not good to eat because they're bottom feeders mm-hmm. and so they just eat whatever you know waste products from other fish mm-hmm. so um so yeah that's that is interesting that um it depends on what your food eats um uh and probably the same thing goes for other uh, things that we think are just because I'm like, oh, it's such a crime that you can't eat lobster <laughs> or crab legs. But lobster and crab are bottom feeders, yeah. you know, so mm-hmm. they don't have scales. So, um, yeah, it's just really tragic that you never tasted a lobster. That's just really, <laughs> I don't to tell you about that. But, <clears throat> but anyway, um, um, yeah, any, anything that eats nasty stuff is probably not good for you to eat so it's really like you said very practical and, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that I noticed about about that um, um, also like lizards and stuff um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rats probably good not to eat those mm-hmm. um, and so they're they're uh, it's very practical but then there are some other things that you think will why? That's not like, but the point of it is not 
I mean, it's practical, but that's not the point. Mm -hmm. The point is that there are certain things that God has said, this is unholy. And even though there's not anything wrong with it, um, it there's not anything unsanitary about it, it's still it's maybe not a good idea to eat it. Mm -hmm. um, it's still, it's, it's because God said it was unholy. And um, so he's making a distinction between the holy and the unholy and um, the fact that it's a practical thing is kind of a sidebar mm -hmm. issue. It's kind of like, it reminds me of like when, when we talk about uh, the Bible as a scientific book, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. okay, the Bible is not a scientific book. What it says about science is true, right? but it is not, that's a, but that's not the point. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like all the washings and stuff, it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well that was pretty practical. Yeah, but it wasn't, for practicality's sake, that they had to do all these washings. Because some of the things that you'll look at, you're like, what, what, what does that have to do with anything? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make it... Right. You know, but that's not the point. The point right. is holiness versus versus unholy. Right. Clean versus unclean spiritually, not physically. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, and that's kind of where we're headed um, in the last part of this, and I know it's a pretty good chunk, so I'll volunteer myself on that. But um, I'm going to start in 26, and it's going to kind of summarize mm -hmm. um, what we we're just talking about. And then at the end, um, kind of states or does state um, exactly why these things are set up. So just starting in 20, verse 26 of chapter 11. Concerning all the animals which divide the hoof, but do not make a split hoof, or which do not chew cud, they are unclean to you. Whoever touches them becomes unclean. And whatever walks on its paws among all the creatures that walk on all fours are unclean to you. Whomever, whoever touches their carcasses becomes unclean until evening. And the one who picks up their carcasses shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. They, they are unclean to you. Now these are to you the unclean among the swarming things which swarm on the earth, the mole and the mouse and the great lizards in its kind, and the gecko and the crocodile and the lizard and the sand reptile and the chameleon. These are to you the unclean among the swarming things. Whoever touches them when they are dead becomes unclean until evening. Also anything on which one of them may fall when they are dead becomes unclean, including any wooden article or clothing or skin or a sack, any article of which use is made, it shall be put in the water and be unclean until the evening. Then it becomes clean. As for any earthenware vessels into which one of them may fall, whatever is in it becomes unclean and you shall break the vessel. Any of the food which may be eaten on which water comes shall become unclean, and any liquid which may be drunk in every vessel shall become unclean. Everything, moreover, on which which part of their carcass may fall becomes unclean, an oven or a stove shall be smashed. They are unclean and shall continue as unclean to you. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern collecting water shall be clean, through the one who touches their carcass shall be, un or sorry, though the one who touches their their carcass shall be unclean. And if a part of their carcass falls on any seed for sowing, which is to be sown, it is clean. Though if water is put on the seed and a part of their carcass falls on it, it is unclean to you. 
Also, if one of the animals dies, which you have for food, the one who touches its carcass becomes unclean until evening. He too who eats some of its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. And the one who picks up its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. Now every swarming thing that swarms on the earth is detestable not to be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly and whatever walks on all fours, whatever has many feet in respect to every swarming thing that swarms on the earth, you shall not eat them, for they are detestable. You do not do not render yourselves detestable through any of the swarming things that swarm, and you shall not make yourselves unclean with them so that you become unclean. Verse 44, For I am the Lord your God, Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. And you shall not make yourselves unclean with any of the swarming things that swarm on the earth. For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. Thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is the law regarding the animal, the bird, and every living thing that moves in the waters and everything that swarms on the earth to make a distinction between the unclean and the clean and between the edible creature and and the creature which is not to be eaten. So again, just kind of going back to what Sherry was um, driving at uh, a few minutes ago is all of this instruction um, comes down to, at the end of this section, God saying, you, I'm giving you all of this so that you can be remember that you are to be holy as I am holy. You are to be distinct and you are to make a difference between clean and unclean. And again, you know, not that it's even a um, necessarily a dietary commentary. It's not like we're looking for what it, the oh Daniel diet or whatever. But it's it's more. Look, you are my people, and you are to to make a distinction: clean, unclean. Um, and and that the commentary would be missing the point if you are you know going to be you know trying to say, well, this is, you know, the right diet or this, that, or the other. That's not the point of it. You know, the point is these are bottom feeders. Mm -hmm. They are unclean. Mm -hmm. We are, we are a clean people. This is what we eat, you know, and, and making that distinction. So anything else from that chap that chapter before we go on into the next chapter? Okay. All right. So chapter 12, I did not pull out a specific um, set of verses to read directly, but um, wanted to just summarize this. this is the shortest chapter that we've got only eight verses um, and it's going through what is titled in my Bible excuse me laws of motherhood <clears throat> and this such a it's always been an interesting chapter to me because I, I do find myself getting stuck sometimes where um, you've got uh, you're dealing with purification after a child is born and for the male, there's a different amount of days than the female. Mm -hmm. And that has always been strange to me. And I've always wondered, okay, is there a scientific reason? You know, like, you know, is what's the deal? Like, is, is one harder than the other or whatever? Well, anyway, when I was looking into that question, um, as I was looking over this chapter, I thought, um, I saw a, a comment or commentary that, I thought was so interesting and I, I feel like it's a reasonable thought and that is when you've got um, a woman who you know has gone through her menstruation and then she has a set amount of days of purification okay 
Um, that is what, seven days, is that correct? Okay, so you've got here where she's got, um, after she bears a child, she has not got seven days, but 14. And the commentary was that it's for her purification and for her daughter's purification. And so then you've got where the sun is just seven days. And then it's, I think, 33 days after that, mm-hmm. um, where it's, you know, the full, I guess, recovery is mm-hmm. what I would think of mm-hmm. for a total of, I think, like around 40 days mm-hmm. for her and for her son versus the 66 days for her and her daughter. So it's like both women, in essence, okay, woman and woman, okay, but it's gonna be different amount of days for a woman and a male. It's gonna be shorter because you've got the woman's time plus the male's time. That Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So okay. I've, I've not heard that before, yeah. but I did run across that um, in a commentary and that's all because I couldn't make that, that was my big question, was I could not make that fit as far as either scientifically or physically. You know, yeah. like there's no difference, mm-hmm. um, you know, to speak of, of longer recovery time mm-hmm. after birthing a son versus a female. Mm-hmm. So then, it, it to me, it makes sense to go to, like you were saying, mm-hmm. where it's a, um, it's more of a spiritual application mm-hmm. of like, here's the amount of days for a male Here's the amount of days for a female. Um, so anyway, that added up to me. I don't, you know, I wouldn't argue with somebody over it one way or the other, but it made more sense to me than just mm-hmm. a scientific or physical thing, which I think that's where my brain goes to first. It's like, okay, so what's the, you know, mm-hmm. rationale behind that? So you had said that you had questions about 12. or Do you want to yeah. share those? I don't know that I, I have answer answered it. Yeah, oh, it was okay. just the difference between the times just knowing what I thought I knew I don't know it just didn't seem to add up like no yeah. the bible wouldn't be sexist for some arbitrary reason like, oh, there's yeah. obviously something that makes sense behind that and so I was hung up on it mm-hmm. but yeah yeah that makes a lot more sense well and I appreciate you bringing that up too about the sexist because there are so many passages like this that if you are reading from modern context it is very I feel like very tempting and very easy to read in sexism very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can remove, and that I feel like that's all of our challenges, mm-hmm. is removing my, my preconceived ideas and really go, you know, just blank slate and go, okay, well, what do I actually know, you know, for sure, not just, wow, that looks horrible, you know, and, and really dig into what is actually going on contextually. Because mm-hmm. this is just one of many places that people will, you know, drag out, pervert, and whatever. So, mm-hmm. anyway, Sherry, anything else on 12 before we... Um, just one quick note um, that at the end of the chapter... Yeah, that's the end of the chapter. Um, uh, the last paragraph where um, where he talks about um, if, the, if the woman is... Not does cannot afford a lamb, then she's to take two turtle doves or two pigeons, and that's the passage that we would go to to explain why Mary and Joseph brought two young pigeons because okay. they were not able to afford a lamb, mm-hmm. which means they were poor. Yeah, um, and so God just the, the the fact that God provides for people who can't afford 
all these elaborate sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, can't afford a lamb, then use two doves or two young pigeons. Yeah. You can afford that. Right. Um, and we're going to, in the next couple of chapters, we'll get into this, but you had made mention about bringing two, and it's mentioned in this one, um, this chapter of one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, mm -hmm. but I'm going to hold that until, until the next chapter, mm -hmm. so, um, because that's, that goes over a few times. Um, so, okay, so in chapter 13, um, these first six verses is what uh, I wanted to kind of focus in on and read. But before I jump into that, um, just two main sections that I saw in 13, and I would like you know to hear y'all's commentary as well. Um, and that is basically 1 through 46, which is, you know, the, well, I guess it's about half maybe. Mm -hmm. um, first half of that chapter um where again we're starting off in verse one, and the Lord spoke spoke to Aaron, Moses, and Aaron, um, and then he goes through um, leprosy in different forms, and then um, compares the here's what's clean, here's what's unclean, mm -hmm. and um, and and how many days they're removed from the camp, and then coming again. This is kind of where my time stuff is stepping in for myself. Is you know okay in seven days we're going to go back and check and then you know that kind of thing um and then verses 47 through 59 um it's similar but it's going over the leprosy and the garments and then the treatment for that um so before i jump into verses one through six is there are, are there any comments or questions that y'all wanted to bring out from chapter 13 as a whole okay um just one thing that um when he's talking about leprosy, it's not necessarily talking about what we call today Hansen's disease, which is leprosy. Mm -hmm. um, there are, it's basically a package of um, lesions, um, skin lesions mostly, because and we know this because a, 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 a garment cannot have leprosy. Right. Nor can a house. Right. Um, it's it's a spot of some kind on your skin. It might be leprosy, actual leprosy, but it might also be a boil mm -hmm. or a, a, some kind of a scab from something. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting to me that, that priests were sort of dermatologists. Yeah. Because... <laughs> they were able to like look at a thing on your skin and say whether it's you know mm -hmm. whether whether it's a big deal or not yeah and um so just think of that when you're when you're going through this it's not it, it's not always the disease leprosy that we that yeah. we call hansen's disease today it's, it's other there's other things mm -hmm. um they might be talking about like just a eczema or something right. you know so anyway yeah very good <clears throat> all right elizabeth did you have anything to pull out um, mostly just a question, and Sherry kind of brought it up that, like, obviously a piece of clothing or a house can't have leprosy, but once we do get there, if either of y'all have more insight into, like, what that actually would be, that would help me a lot, because I could not figure it out. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Is it well, well, that's yeah. what my question was, is in my mind, especially, you know, in looking at house, and, you know, to me, that's the stuff that comes to mind is either mold or some kind of fungus or you know, whether or not it was serious or not. Yeah, right, those kind of things is my, I mean, that that was my thought. Is that your kind of yeah. understanding of, okay. 
All right, so verses 1 through 6, uh, I wanted to look at real quickly here. Um, so chapter 13, starting verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling or a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes an infection of leprosy on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priest. And the priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body, and if the hair in the infection has turned white and the, the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is an infection of leprosy. When the priest has looked at him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and it does not appear to be deeper than the skin and the hair on it has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate him who has the infection for seven days." And the priest shall look at him on the seventh day, and if in his eyes the infection has not changed, and the infection has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him for seven more days. And the priest shall look at him again on the seventh day, and if the infection has faded, and the mark has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean, it is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean." Um, so I, why I chose those first six ones is just, it is interesting to me. It's like, until you know, you know, you just, okay, I hate to say the word quarantine yourself <laughs> in 2022, but, um, but I mean, that's, you know, he did for that amount of time and then it come back and look again. And again, you know, I just, it is interesting. There's so many things, uh, modernly that uh, I feel like we do not give enough time before we go back and check. We're checking every five minutes to see, has it changed? Has it changed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> give it seven days. We'll check it, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, something to be said about that. Mm-hmm. But again, I know that's a side point. Anything else before we go into chapter 14? Mm-hmm. Uh, something that I kind of noticed, um, which was also in the commentary I read that was talking about, the structure. I think it's kind of cool that chapter 11 talks about uncleanness inside. Like if you eat these things, you're, you're unclean, uncleanliness in the body. Whereas with the leprosy, it's on your skin. It's like kind of on your body. And mm-hmm. just, I thought that was a really mm-hmm. interesting parallel mm-hmm. of how it's addressing uncleanness as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Working from the inside mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. All right. Chapter 14. Sherry is so excited about this chapter, and I'm so glad. Between chapter 14 and 15, I, I was ready to sign off on 13. <laughs> but we got to get to this good stuff. Okay, so chapter 14, I'm just going to walk through and just summarize little chunks, and then I'm basically going to turn it over to Sherry to do what she does best, and that means get nerdy with the Bible. So, um, okay, verse uh, 1 again. I hope I'm not beating the dead horse, but I do think it is is so good to see these things and to point them out all along the way but verse one again new section and the lord spake unto moses okay so one through seven um we have the offerings the bird offerings um for the cleansed leper leper and that this is where they bring two birds one is sacrificed one is set free and i'm sure um sherry is going to go into more detail to that so i'm going to leave that for there, because I've uh, what I texted Sherry earlier is I have more questions and commentary, so I think she'll be able to help me with some of this. Verses eight through thirteen is um, I think my my understanding of this is you have you know the leopard leper I'm going to keep saying leopard leper 
um, who comes and he gives a sacrifice. And then 8 through 13 seems like to me the preparation before he comes to get uh, to offer his sacrifice um, where it's talking about him shaving and washing mm-hmm. and then on the eighth day brings the offering so it seems like it's a little bit of a rewind of here's you know what you do in preparation before um, bringing the sacrifices the way that I read that mm-hmm. um, and then verse 40, 14 through 32 is um, the detail of the offerings made on the eighth day for the cleansed leper. Um, and and this is going into what I had um, just remarked earlier, was kind of alluding to, but you've got um, a sin offering, a burnt offering, and a trespass offering. And so, <clears throat> um, again, that's where I'm leaning on Sherry to have more on that, but that's my surface understanding of that. So 33 through 53... Um, <clears throat> we have that phrase again, and the Lord spake unto Moses. Um, and then we're talking in detail about the unclean house and the, um, I put sacrifice on here. Is that the right wording? Is that how it's phrased? Um, for if you've got, you know, I'm putting in quotes, a leprous house, um, that there are sacrifices to be made for that. Um, and so that gets very interesting um, in that section. And then 54 through 57, um, I thought this was so interesting to me is the way that he finishes this up in verse 57. He says, this is to teach when they are unclean and when they are clean. This is the law of leprosy. So again, I mean, and this seems to, to me to be dealing more with you know, here here are the laws. Yeah, I mean, yes, for practical purposes, but the heart of what this is getting at is you need to understand the difference between clean and unclean. And yes, this is dealing with a specific tangible thing, but I do think, you know, later, you know, especially in the New Testament, God is going to draw us back to this time and say, you still, you have to decipher spiritually what is clean and unclean you know where we're going through all this physical stuff he i i don't think it is a stretch to say that even in the old testament his people he wanted them to he's he's trying to get them to that spiritual um point of this is not only about like being hygienically clean people (laughs) this you've got to be able to have that discernment to you know, no between clean and unclean. So, okay, I've, I've gabbed enough. Sherry, I'm excited. Let's do this. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, this is one of my favorite passages, believe it or not, in the Old Testament, um, verses 1 through 8 in Leviticus. Um, the rest of the chapter we can talk about as well. It, interesting that all the stuff that he's talking about, clean and unclean, in these last several chapters two full chapters are devoted to what to do about a leprous person and then how to how to bring that person back into the fold. This is the only thing uh, there, there, there are laws uh, regarding what to do about if you've touched a dead body, if a, if a woman has gotten over a period 
what to do if you've had a child what to do but those are all like pretty temporary things but the leprous person who has a some kind of leprous disease that's spreading is outside the camp for indefinitely mm -hmm. until he gets over it if he gets over it so you're like basically in solitary confinement forever until the thing goes away and I think that's part of the reason that I think that leprosy in particular represents sin because when you're outside the camp you're away from God um, it, it's my understanding that they could not make the sacrifices you can't come into camp you definitely can't go into the temple how are you going to make your yearly sacrifices uh, you can't mm -hmm. and so uh, that's part of the reason I think um, this uh, the, what we have in verses uh, 10 through 20 describes offering the, the the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the trespass offering because uh, you haven't been able to offer any sacrifices, so you're kind of behind. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and particularly the guilt offering, which was repayment. Mm -hmm. um, so it was partially repaying for the sacrifices that you weren't able to make, that you owe God this because you've been outside the camp, even though it wasn't your fault, whatever, um, you weren't able to make the sacrifices. So um, uh, so that's what sin does, is it separates you from God, and it separates you from God's people. And that's one of the things that we need to learn about in the New Testament age. Like Sin separates a person from God. It also should separate the person from God. The family of God. Okay, so <clears throat> so let's read. Um, so with that in mind, let's read chapter uh, chapter fourteen, verses one through eight. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then if." In the case of the leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take him, take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds, cedar, cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and a hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. Some, some translations will say running water, mm -hmm. which is fresh water, um, not stagnant water. <clears throat> He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all the hair, all his hair and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. Clean, after and after that he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent for seven days. Uh, verse nine. And on the seventh day he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard, and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair. Then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. So then, basically, he can come back. Okay. Here's why I like these verses. I am the second bird. 
there's so many references in this in this passage that are a shadow of the Christian life. The the baptism, um, the the you you have a bird, um, a living thing that is being killed for something it didn't do. Completely innocent. And the living bird is killed, then its blood is rinsed in in the water, and the other bird is plunged into the water that is also mixed with the blood of the first bird, mm -hmm. and the bird goes free. So the second bird is freed because of the first bird's sacrifice. Um, and so when I, when I read this passage, it gives me goosebumps because I think about that second bird is me. I've been cleansed by the blood of Christ and because of that, I'm free. Um, there are other references to, um, uh, to like, uh, one of the things that I uh, thought about was the scapegoat, you know, where they put the sins on, when they have two goats, they kill one goat, they let the other one go, uh, go into the open field. They put the sins on the end, so it's like a scapegoat. Um, and so that's, that's also sort of a picture of you know, releasing sin from the camp, so um, putting it outside the camp. So that's what we do with our sin, we put it outside. But in the case of the goat, you almost feel sorry for the for the for the second goat mm -hmm. because the first one gets killed. Okay, so it's dead. It's out of its misery. The second one is outside the camp. It's not a wild goat. It's a domesticated goat, and it's probably going to be killed by a wild animal at some point. So um, this is different, though. This is a bird, mm -hmm. and so basically the bird is allowed to go free, and live its life and so um, that's why I just love this picture you have the you have the the water fresh water um, you have the the bird being submerged in the water and the blood so representing the blood of Christ and the waters of baptism and the hyssop which uh, in, in the Old Testament is indicative of um, healing um, when whenever Moses um, cleansed the people he would use the branches of a hyssop and dip them in blood and sprinkle it on the people and that's what they used when they put the blood on the doorposts mm -hmm. uh, was hyssop and so that represents healing um, and so um, I think particularly in this case you got you have the leper who is healed he's been healed mm -hmm. And so this is um, a symbolic um, gesture that represents, okay, now you're healed, you're clean, because, uh, because of the hyssop, because of the blood, uh, because of the clean water. Um, this uh, ritual is also performed when, later in the chapter, when they talk about um, cleansing the house. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, uh, it's almost an identical um, ritual uh, with the house, but with with the with the leper, 
um, with the person, um, once he's cleansed, he has to he has to wait seven days, and then then he washes again, and so there's a lot of washing, and then he's able to, to rejoin um, his people, and that's why you have all these other sacrifices that he has to make. He has to um, he has to offer what is it two lambs, mm -hmm. um, or for the poor, uh, one lamb. So mm -hmm. still a lamb, but then two doves for the burnt offering and the sin offering. So he can, he can, there's a little bit of give there for someone who, who's not wealthy enough to own a bunch of lambs. Um, uh, so in a sense that the, all the offerings, the guilt offering, the sin offering, the burnt offering for the leper um, uh, is sort of like a rededication of him to God's service. Uh, that he's been unable to do when he stood outside the camp. Um, I also noticed that um, the the ritual, um, starting in verse 14, the priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. So what does that remind you of? The priest. priest. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and, the, and some of the oil, same thing. The oil is to go on his on his hand, on the on the uh, on his head. Some of it on his head, um, and that's um, that's also reminiscent of the anointing of the priests. And I think that it just there's this whole big deal about when a leper is cleansed. That it just reminds me so much of people being cleansed from their sins and becoming a part of the kingdom of God. Rededication, the 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 hearing of the word, the doing of it, and the walking in his ways, like what we, what we had for the priests, um, just is so reminiscent to me of what we do when we're when we come out of the world and we're and we become people of God. Um, and can imagine, you know, like I've said before, when a person comes back from being outside the camp for however long it's a big deal mm -hmm. this is a big deal like all the other things that they that they had to do if they touched something or whatever not that big of a deal i mean okay you break the clay pot big deal you you have to you know you have to remain you know outside the temple for seven days but you don't have to go outside the, the camp you don't have to go like away from everyone so this person has been cut off from god and from god's people for who who knows how long, and so this is a big deal, and and the fact that he's coming back in and and having to rededicate himself to God's service is just um, just really just reminds me so much of you know the Christian life and when we what happens when we come back to God. Yeah. Um, I just I I almost want to end there just because it is so climactic um we i'm gonna zip through 15 in just a second here but um but i just so deeply appreciate you bringing all that out sherry and um again there's so much in leviticus and this is so i, I there's so much there that i have not seen and especially um as you're going through um 
the you know the the symbolic nature of the running water through the you know the cleansing of that with the blood that um, that I have not seen before and you know I don't know how it hits y'all but when you see something like that for the first time one my first reaction is I feel so dumb but then my second is that I mean I it just it just amazes me how how many times does God have to point things out to us and and set things up in such a way that just calls out to us here is my message here this is coming you know this it, it, from the very start he has as says in the new testament been preparing us to bring us to christ and um that's so beautiful thank you so much i really am glad that um i was a chicken and said no sherry i'm not going to cover 14 <laughs> so i just i can't like that but um but thank you there's so much i know there's so much more that we don't have time to dig into but i think you got so got so much of that richness there so thank you for bringing all of that out um okay so we're in under 10 minutes here but we are going to go through this last um chapter 15 uh before we close out uh, this section um, and again so 15 it's not the most comfortable thing to read um, but uh, just as, by way of summary and and just real quickly kind of running through and then um, if we have time we'll pull any more comments but we're going to have to fly so um, the overall uh, topic here is discharge which is not you know like a a great thing to be meditating on necessarily um but we do start off with the lord speaking unto moses so we've got a new section beginning again and then 1 through 15 we're dealing specifically with the uncleanness of man's discharge um and the specifics of you know on the eighth day on his cleansing these are you know he offers the burnt and sin offering um for his atonement and then 16 through 18 um, is, again, super uncomfortable, but um, specifically, I mean, seminal emissions is what my translation says. Um, and just going through that, you know, uh, sort of like touching the dead animal, it's unclean until evening. So it's, again, it's it's not in the same ball, ballpark as what Sherry just went through in chapter 14. It's not great. It's, you know, here's a thing, you know, but um, same for the woman, if she sleeps with him, then they're unclean until evening. So um, 19 through 30 uh, transitions into the woman's uncleanness and um, her purification in that uh, very similar, um, you know, uh, after the eighth day, um, she brings her sin and burnt offering for atonement, same as um, the man does in the first few verses. Um, but then in the last section, um, verses 31 through 33, uh, I do want to read that real quickly. Um, thus, let me make sure I'm in there. Yeah, okay. Thus you shall keep the sons of Israel separated from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by their defiling my tabernacle that is among them. This is the law for the one with a discharge and for the man who has seminal emission and or so that he is unclean by it and for the woman who is ill because of menstruation impurity and for the one who has a discharge whether male or female okay and it goes on but mainly verse 31 is what i wanted to um to hone in on there 
where um, uh, it says that they are separated for their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is among them. Again, going back to the focus of um, not having any defiling in God's tabernacle. And um, I know we could draw more lessons, and I won't, um, we're running short on time, so I'm not going to try to get all that. But the importance of, you know, the application of us making sure we are not defiling God's tabernacle presently and what that looks like um, comparatively when you kind of um, look at keeping oneself pure, clean, and all that kind of stuff, which uh, this chapter, you know, so much of that is this is these are just natural things and you know how we approach when things are naturally unclean um that sort of thing so any last uh remarks we've got about four minutes left so anything else that last bit that you were saying about how everything in chapter 15 is kind of natural i actually saw it a different way in the way it's structured so how the first and last thing are almost kind of unnatural irregular so you have um the first section on discharge emissions is different than the second mm-hmm. section. I had to look into a little bit because I was really confused. I'm like, okay, how is this not different than this? Sure. I think the first one has a little bit more to do with like disease and mm-hmm. uh, sexually transmitted diseases. And so that's mm-hmm. not as natural as, you know, okay. going and sleeping with your wife. Right. Um, and then with that last one, talking about the discharge of blood for many days beyond just regular menstruation, mm-hmm. that seems unnatural irregular Mm -hmm. and that really stood out to me because in the first one and the last one they have to offer sacrifices whereas in the middle two they're just unclean you know you take the shower you come back to society um and that was really interesting to me i'll have to look into it a little bit more but i think the application is still the same that whether it is a natural or an unnatural impurity you can't be coming before god like that Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much. I'm glad we were able to get 315. And next time um, we'll do another section uh, of Leviticus and look forward to diving into that. Thanks so much.